An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made. It's a different kind of fame that's not always as glamorous as it looks. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznak. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com slash FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is Thursday, November 10th. Today, we are going to deviate from our usual show topics and do a town hall. We got a lot of questions tweeted at us yesterday. I put out a tweet just asking for people's Hollywood-oriented questions. I also will use a couple that we have gotten through our email address. It's the town at Spotify.com. If you would like to send us a note, please do so. Uh, all right, Craig, are you ready? You got good questions? Yeah, let's do it. It's been a while. It's been almost two months since we've done this, so we had a lot of questions uh, loaded up. Oh, really? People, I get comments. People like the town halls. Um, it, it gives people a chance to, you know, listen and think about stuff we're not talking about and stuff we should be talking about. So I'm happy. All right, let's do it. Okay, first question is from Leon. What's going on at CNN? At one point, do they realize this experiment is not working? Interesting. Uh, okay, he's referring to the experiment under the new owner of CNN, Warner Brothers Discovery, which has decided that it is going to get rid of a lot of the kind of anti-Trump, um, anti, you know, you could say anti-Republican, but it's really mostly anti-Trump and kind of pro-media stint of the past five years on CNN and play it more down the middle. They have more conservative voices. They have a new leader in Chris Licht, who is a veteran news producer and was producing for Stephen Colbert. And they are trying to remake CNN as a non-political voice box for U.S. Uh, news. And uh, so far, at least from the ratings, it is not working. We have a pretty interesting data point from election night. For the first time in years, CNN lost to MSNBC. And that's a big deal because, you know, CNN has been the election night, you know, juggernaut people tune in you know, for the last 25 years it's been wolf blitzer on cnn on election night wolf was sidelined in favor of jake tapper on tuesday night and they didn't get great ratings for it i mean if you look at the numbers fox fox news always wins now and fox news was 7.4 million viewers from 8 p.m to 11 p.m on the east coast uh, MSNBC, they brought back Rachel Maddow, who's only periodically on the network, uh, had 3.2 million viewers. CNN was behind them at 
million viewers. It was also behind some of the broadcast networks, uh, ABC and NBC. That's a big deal. You can't, that can't happen. I mean, they, they've got to figure that out. I watched a little bit of it. It was sort of awkward. Um, that, you know, you did miss that anchor in Wolf Blitzer. Um, Jake Tapper's great, but it, it felt different. It was a little awkward. People were sort of stilted and everyone on the other networks were very comfortable in what they were doing. Uh, so I don't know how long, I mean, the thing is the management at Warner brothers discovery has said that they don't care about ratings. They want to fix the brand and they want they, the brand of CNN is the most valuable thing they have. And it has been, it had been perverted during the Trump years into this politicized and anti Trump and anti MAGA Republican outlet. And they wanted to fix that. So maybe they don't care. I have to think that a company like Warner Brothers Discovery, which is so cash strapped and wants to wring every last dollar out of their media properties, that if the revenue at CNN starts going down due to lower advertising rates, due to lower viewership, then they will start caring. And that will happen once we see the effect of that. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay. The big news, sorry, the big news out of election night was that viewership overall of the television networks was down like 30% from 2018, the last midterms. I mean, that is pretty insane. I mean, it just shows how much cord cutting is going on, how much people are relying on other news sources, namely, you know, the websites of their favorite news outlet to get their midterm results. And Twitter. I mean, if you look at, and Twitter and other places like that. Um, if you look at the websites of the New York Times or MSNBC or even CNN, like they are really good now. I mean, the New York Times website on election night is fantastic and they yep. have up to the up to the second results. And you really don't need those TV networks to tell you what's going on anymore. And if you looked at CNN, they were actually behind a lot of the other networks on calling things because they're so afraid of calling something too early that they really weren't in the game as a, a news breaker last night or on a Tuesday night. So it was better to be on the New York times website anyways. Yeah. I use the New York times. It's great. Okay. Next question. Here's from Bridget is SNL having trouble booking hosts this season. That is an interesting question. And I think th there was a post on Dumois, which we do not cite as a leg legitimate news source <laughs> on this podcast. My fiance uh, but does. I think, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people consider it to be, uh, you know, the Holy grail, but I do not. Uh, I've seen a lot <laughs> of bullshit on that website uh, on that Instagram, but they had a post the other day saying that nobody wants to do SNL, that the booker, you know, the longtime, uh, the longtime talent relations executive, Lindsay Shookas left SNL last after last season. And that, you know, people don't want to do the show and the writing's bad. The cast is new. There's no stars. You know, it's, it's really tough. I don't think that is true. I think that, you know, yes, Lindsay Shookas did leave, but she was also problematic in many ways. She had a big ego and a lot of the publicists and stars didn't like dealing with her. So I don't know that her being gone is going to impact things at all. Uh, but there is a new cast for the most part, and there are new people there. Uh, maybe that's impacting things. If you look at the hosts this season, the hosts haven't really been that bad. You know, I think you could say Brendan Gleeson was probably an outlier. Like, that's not someone you would normally see hosting SNL. He's like a 60-something, 70-something Irish actor, and his movie is not really big. But everyone else pretty much seems like an SNL host. Uh, Amy Schumer, Chappelle this weekend is going to be controversial, but that's someone who's been on the show before and obviously is a, is, is a big draw. 
Um, the one thing I, I have heard is that they're announcing hosts later than they usually do. They have typically will announce a big group of hosts at the beginning of the month or you know a few weeks in advance. They've been doing it like a week in advance lately, which does suggest that they're kind of scrambling at the end. And they've done a couple double dips where they've had musical guests and hosts on the same show. Um, Megan Thee Stallion seems like that's a, a legit one. Like, oh, okay, she has performed before. Maybe they'll bring her back and host and perform. But Jack Harlow, to me, felt a little bit like someone who wasn't quite on that level of a huge star who would both both host and perform. And then they did that the week after Megan the Stallion. Jack Harlow's a relatively big star, and I, I do think he's, he's a funny. big musician. Totally. Like I get it, but it was a little bit of a stretch to me. Like he's not Bieber. He's not, you know, the kind of the level of people that have hosted and performed on the same night. Um, Taylor no. Swift, like it just doesn't, it's, he's not on that level. No, I, maybe SNL is having an identity crisis and trying to, you know, infuse some young stardom into the show, getting people like Jack Harlow and Megan Thee Stallion. Um, yeah. And maybe that's where they're struggling is, is they actually don't know what kind of stars they want to host their show and what kind of audience they want to try and attract. Well, they, they always go young and try to get the people in the zeitgeist. And I think there has, there has been this dichotomy between the hosts and musical guests that the show knows that it needs. And then every once in a while, there'll be a Lauren person. You'll be like, Oh, what is Paul? What is Paul Simon doing on <laughs> SNL? You know, it's like, Oh, well, he's friends with Lauren, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, Paul McCartney, really again, like that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, this, the, the, the ratings for this season haven't been great and the critics don't love it, but you know what? They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And I don't think that people, I've talked to a couple of publicists on this issue. They're still pitching their clients. It's still a great showcase. I'd also think that COVID the lingering COVID stuff, it, it, it was, it's a commitment. It's hard to host SNL. You got to be in New York. You got to do their rehearsals and everything for a week. And star, a lot of stars just don't want to do that anymore. Okay, this next question is from Sean. This is a this is an incendiary question. Is there any chance Apple buys Disney? You know, there's been chatter online about that lately. I think because the Disney stock is in the toilet right now, it's down to what, 88, 87, mm -hmm. um, at least it was this morning. And, you know, anytime a company that is not closely held, meaning not controlled by one person or one family, Anytime it gets down like that, you have to think that it's potentially in play for a bigger company to come in and swoop in and buy it. Um, Apple has had many opportunities to do this in the past. They have always not wanted to buy Disney because while they admire a lot about the company, there are aspects of Disney that Apple doesn't love, namely the cable television business. Uh, that was also a reason why Apple didn't buy Time Warner when that was available. Um, they would they loved HBO. And if you look at what Apple's doing in the streaming market right now, they are basically trying to recreate HBO with premium shows and big stars in movies and projects. They didn't buy Time Warner because they didn't want all the television networks. They didn't know what to do with those. And I think if Apple bought Disney, they'd have that similar problem. I also don't see Apple wanting really to be in the theme park business. Like that's a pain in the ass. It's it's just, um, you know, you got to deal with customer service. Like all of a sudden one day a, a kid gets eaten by an alligator and you've got a huge global PR crisis on your hand and the tragedy that you Could have to Could they just with. acquire the movie studio though? Like didn't Disney acquire just 20th Century Fox and not everything else? Couldn't Apple just acquire Disney movies? They could, but that was the, that was the Murdoch's 
willingness to sell the studio aspects of Fox to Disney and then keep Fox News and Fox Sports and the Fox Broadcasting Network because that's the business they wanted to stay in. Um, you know, yeah, there is a deal perhaps that could do that. They could also spin them off. You know, they could buy the whole company and then sell off different parts that they don't want to deal with. The other thing is antitrust concerns would probably be a big, big factor here. I mean, Apple is getting larger and larger. It's one of the most powerful companies in the world. Buying such an iconic American company like Disney would no doubt trigger antitrust scrutiny. And yes, they're in different businesses. So it is would be considered a vertical merger for antitrust concerns rather than a horizontal merger where companies that do the same thing merge with each other. But I still think that the Biden administration would look really, really closely at any kind of deal with Apple buying Disney um, if they even wanted to. There's a follow-up here. Another question about Disney from Kevin here. A lot of people are worried about Disney. Uh, he said he asks, with Disney stock price getting killed, would they have been better off just selling streaming rights to all their films like they used to and never have done Disney Plus in the first place? You know, that's a question that, again, is going around right now because these companies are so challenged in the stock market. The stock market, as we've discussed on this show, has completely turned on Hollywood. They are valuing profitability over streaming subscribers. And Disney has spent like $8 billion over the last couple of years to build up the streaming subscribers on Disney Plus and Hulu. And they really haven't seen the profitability yet. I don't think that is an option. I think the companies that are just selling content to the other streaming services, that may be a fine business. I don't think that is how you build a media company that is going to be around in 10, 15, 20 years and be considered one of the major players. If you are Disney, you got to try. If you consider yourself a company on par with the major media companies around the world, and in many ways, Disney is the largest and uh, and most successful of those media companies, you got to try with Disney plus. And most analysts believe that they will be one of the few that will make it. They have the hundred year library. They have the intellectual property. They have the ability to make big mass market titles that play across all of their different platforms in the flywheel. So I don't think if you're Disney, you can just sit on the sideline and become a supplier to everyone else. How many major studios either don't have a streaming service that, that they created on their own or aren't tied to one? Like, does, is, does Sony have any ties to any streaming service? Sony's the one, the big one that doesn't try to do a streaming service. They In this country, they, you know, they're, they, they're what's called an arms dealer, um, which is a, an inelegant term that I think Bob Iger may have coined to a company that just sells its content to other people. Um, and then some of the smaller ones uh, have have streamers or they do niche products, but they are mostly selling to others, you know, like Lionsgate owns stars, but Lionsgate also sells a bunch of content to other places. Like if you look on CBS or, you know, the, the broadcast networks, there will be Lionsgate shows. Um, that's, and they're, they're just a much smaller player than others. You know, a company like AMC, AMC has, um, uh, not the theater chain, AMC network. They have, um, AMC has a number of like smaller niche streamers. They have AMC Plus and they have Shudder, which is a horror streamer. But AMC is just a smaller media company. They're just not out there attempting. So a company like A&E Networks does not have its own dedicated 
streamer and A&E Networks owns like the History Channel and A&E and some of the other Lifetime and some of the others. So they are a cable television company that also sells shows elsewhere. If you look on the ABC network, they have a show that uh, David E. Kelly show, what's it called? Big Sky or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, I think it is Big Sky. Yeah, A&E produces that. Um, and they put it on the ABC network. Now, a big investor in A&E Networks is the Walt Disney Company. So it helps that the Walt Disney Company also owns ABC, so you can have a business selling shows to a sister network. Um, but there are so there are there are networks that are not in streaming. But for the most part, the big conglomerates are trying to make it in streaming, and I think Disney is actually positioned to be successful there. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we asked for no Lindsay Lohan related questions, but Mike asked one. No, that was, stop, stop. No, this is a Lohan free space. This is Lohan adjacent, so I'm going to ask. All right, it anyway. all right, all right. We will allow it. Mike asks, given how big Hallmark Christmas movies are, why wouldn't Hallmark do its own streaming service like a Shutter or a BritBox, or why doesn't somebody just buy Hallmark? That is an interesting question. You know, Hallmark is owned by what was formerly called Crown Media. It's now called Hallmark Media. Um, so they are an independent media company. They are not part of one of the big media conglomerates out there. Uh, I guess Netflix could buy Hallmark, but what is more likely, what has actually been more beneficial to them is what they just did with the Peacock Network, where they are establishing a hub on Peacock for the Hallmark content, and they're getting paid a buttload of money from Peacock to do that. Uh, we've seen that across the board with some of these smaller services like the WWE, for instance. They used to have a wrestling streaming service that you would subscribe to, and it did pretty well. But you can't really build scale on a meaningful way, in a meaningful way, by doing that. So WWE shut down their streamer and essentially went all in with Peacock, which they already have a relationship with because the WWE stuff airs on USA, which is owned by Comcast as well. So now you have a Hallmark hub on Peacock. You have a WWE hub on Peacock. And that seems to be the prevailing way to go for some of these smaller media outlets. Um, I don't know if that's the best decision. You know, maybe there is a market for 50 million people that will pay five bucks a month for access to Hallmark movies. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe licensing it is better. Yeah, I don't think so. But listen, the entire Hallmark movie business doesn't really make sense to me, but it's out there and it makes a lot of money for these companies. Uh, the Lohan movie will probably shoot to the top of the Netflix queue this week. Um, I, I already know people that are talking about it and are going to hate watch it. Um, I, <laughs> I saw I, it. <laughs> Yes, you did see it. Okay, so give us a review. Give us a 10-second review. Well, the problem is, is that I don't watch Hallmark movies or Netflix Christmas movies, so I have nothing to compare it to, but I thought it was terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. It, it, it looked like a Christmas commercial for 90 minutes. I, I will say, however, I don't think Lohan was 
I don't think Lohan was given a lot to do, and I think she's better than the script she was given. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's called Falling for Christmas, Falling yeah. Down on Christmas. It's essentially what, the plot what? of Overboard, kind of. I don't know. Maybe Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. she has amnesia. Is that true? Yes, yes. Oh, oh my God. I feel bad. I feel bad for <laughs> Lohan. Let Lohan cook. I just want her to be okay. Did you ever watch Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club on MTV? No, but I remember when that came out. I watched a couple episodes. Wasn't it in Greece? It was in Mykonos, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like was the proprietor. It was sort of like a Vanderpump style show where she was the proprietor of this hospitality business and there was a bunch of fuck-ups that worked for her. I like it. it had... I, I, let's bring that back. Yeah, it wasn't a bad show. Uh, all right. Enough Lohan. Enough Lindsay Lohan. All right. This question comes from Z. They ask, has Hollywood officially given up on getting movies into China? If so, will this affect what movies get made since they wouldn't have to meet the significant censorship requirements to play there? And who benefits? The China question is like the endless frustration in Hollywood. I mean, I, I think to a certain extent, the, the studios have given up. They still try. And occasionally you'll see a movie get in. Uh, but for the most part, the, the movies are not getting in. Like the Marvel movies used to be a given. But Black Panther is not doesn't have a China release date and probably won't get one. So would you characterize that as giving up? No. I mean, they're trying. Like, I wouldn't say giving up. I would say they are pessimistic and resigned to a business in the future that does not include China. And we don't have to go into all the reasons. Like, the Chinese government completely turned on Hollywood studios. They used them for years to kind of prime the audience to get them into these movies. And now they are making their own blockbuster movies and right now actually the china box office is decimated just because of their covid shutdowns but that's a separate temporary thing long term china wants its own movie industry they used hollywood for years they don't want those movies coming in as much anymore they will make exceptions though and the big one to watch will be avatar if avatar 2 gets in that could add two three hundred million dollars to its box office first one did very well there and the chinese love these big spectacles that they have not been able to replicate via their own film industry. And increasingly they are doing that, but I don't think they're going to be able to replicate Avatar. I think they will let that one in. Okay. This next question comes from Ryan, which this name matters for this question, and you'll understand why in a second. The question is, we need you to apologize to Ryan. We need you, Matt, to apologize to Ryan Murphy now that he has another massive hit on his hands. Oh, God. I love it. So did the Ryan happen to be last named Murphy who sent this? Could be a burner. We're, we're checking on that. Yeah, Ryan Slurfy. <laughs> um, okay, the Netflix deal that Ryan Murphy did, and we're now in what, year four of this? It's either year three or four. It did not pay dividends for the first, more than half of that deal. It was reported as $300 million. I think it's less than that. I think he got a little over his skis on, on telling people about that deal. But the first output from Ryan Murphy was pretty terrible. That Hollywood show, The Politician, uh, the prom movie, it was just not mainstream stuff that he was known for. I think he got the message. I think he went back and said, okay, now let's do the popular stuff. Monster, the Dahmer, the Dahmer show is a gigantic hit. They just announced that they're doing two more installments of that. Uh, the, he's got this Watcher show that did pretty well that is also getting another season. I, you know, if you want me to apologize, sure. I, I, I apologize for saying that Ryan Murphy was over. I still question whether Netflix will renew his deal. 
I know that he's looking for a big number when he renews where or where you know wherever his next deal is. I think Disney will probably be interested in that because his re- big relationship pre-Netflix was at 20th Television and FX, um, both of which are now owned by Disney and the woman who ran 20th Television, Dana Walden, is now in charge of all television content at Disney and probably wants to bring him back into that fold. Keep in mind, his FX franchises didn't go away even though he was at Netflix. He still has new seasons of Horror Story. He still has new seasons of American Crime Story. He's still doing stuff. He has 911 is still on the Fox Network, and that's a 20th show. So Ryan Murphy is still very much in business with Disney, and I think he probably will go back there. The question is, will there be other bidders for him? And I know that his team really wants other bidders so they can run up the price and get him a huge price tag. I'm not so sure there will be other bidders because it's just a different market right now. And I don't know that Netflix is going to want to pay that high a price to keep him there, even though he does now have two big shows. Okay, final question here. It only makes sense that we're going to end on a prediction because we're not doing a call sheet today. So this question comes from Munib. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. They ask, which two streaming services, if you had to guess, do you think will be merged in the next few years? Well... The, the easy one is the one we know is going to be merged. Discovery Plus is going away and will be merged into No, HBO that doesn't Max. count. That doesn't count. That's the same company. It is the same company. Uh, all right. So that one doesn't count. Let's say, I think Paramount Plus and Peacock seem to be the best candidates. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I shit on Peacock on this podcast all the time, but it's really not up to snuff. 15 million subscribers. It's U.S. only. But wouldn't that be a huge deal? So that, that would be CBS and NBC merging? Yeah, they'd have to merge. They'd have to merge. And that's the big question is whether those two companies are prepared to do it. They are both closely held companies. The Roberts family owns Comcast, which uh, has NBC Universal and Peacock. The Redstone family has Paramount Global, which is the home of Paramount Plus. So each of them is sort of in, they're in this stalemate where they're trying to grow. They're trying to, you know, survive this period right now of transition. I just don't think that either of those companies has the stomach to go through 10 years of losses that they are having to incur on streaming in order to get to profitability and long-term viability. Makes more sense to merge them. So they'll just become one giant vestigial organ of cable? Sure, if that's what you want to call it. I don't know what they would call the service, uh, Peacock to mount, I don't know, mounting Peacock, whatever you want to do. But I think they have to, the content there and the and the the reach, Paramount Plus is up to 46 million subscribers now. And they've, they're very proud of that fact. They are growing. They have these, this, both of them have uh, free ad supported tiers, meaning that for Paramount, it's Pluto TV, which we've talked about on the show. And there is a free ad supported tier for Peacock. Uh, so they could end up growing those services and trying to be a player in, in the free game. I don't know. It's just a really challenging market. If Disney is getting dragged for their spending and, uh, you know, Disney is, people are questioning whether Disney can make it. Those two companies are a tier or two below Disney in terms of the assets they have and the, uh, the brand they have. So that's going to be a tough slog. We'll see. All right. That's it. That concludes our what is it, third it? or fourth town hall. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Did I do okay? Yeah. We'll see how we'll see what Ryan Murphy's response is. You know what, Ryan? He's a big boy. I know he's <laughs> sensitive about the media. He's very sensitive, but he's a big boy. He's made a lot of money in this business and produced a lot of shows that people love. So more power to him. But if he wants to call, you know, he and I can arm wrestle at some point. He can come on the show, Ryan. You're welcome. 
Ryan can come on the show anytime he likes. Uh, he, you know, he's a former journalist. He worked at Entertainment Weekly back. In the yeah, day. right. Yeah, which I think I think contributes to a lot of how of how savvy he is about the media. You know, he's used the media. He was one of the first showrunners to really have a profile on social media, and he has curated his image very well. He's become a star himself. He's branded himself and the style of show that he makes as a Ryan Murphy show. And he was, you know, he was doing recaps right when recaps were big. And he's, mm. you know, he does the the he just did a Maureen Dowd piece in the New York Times, which is like, you know, considered prestigious still. It's one of the few outlets that's considered prestigious. We did a bunch of covers with him at Hollywood Reporter, and he was very involved in that. He would always be game for fun photos and stuff that would make a splash. He's very, very savvy about that. Do you think the percentage of people working in Hollywood now uh, that come from media is increasing? Are there more media people, more journalists that are transitioning, more writers that are transitioning into more traditional Hollywood jobs? You know, I think that's probably true. I don't know the stats back in the day. Like, that, maybe that happened a lot. But you see it more and more these days. I mean, like, for instance, The Morning Show on Apple is based on Brian Stelter's book, who was a CNN commentator. Um, I know Gabriel Sherman who was a Vanity Fair, is a Vanity Fair writer. He did the Fox News show uh, at Showtime, and he's got a couple other things going on. Billions is Andrew Ross Sorkin, the financial journalist. Um, and, you know, David Friendly, who was on the show last week, he's a former journalist, mm -hmm. and he became a producer. Uh, it does happen. Frank Rich is another one. He's a big, big producer at HBO who worked on Veep and now Succession. And he was a, you know, very prominent New York Times writer, New York Magazine. So it does happen. Yeah, I wonder what that is. I wonder if it's just because the, the world of media and Hollywood are, are, are more or less the same now. Very, very similar skill set. You got to have authenticity in your show if you want it to work. Yeah. All right, good times. That's our Town Hall episode. Want to thank Craig Horbeck. I'm a producer. I'm going I'm to stop calling you producer, Craig. You're, you're, you're a part of this show. You do more than just produce. Thank you. I appreciate that. Just, yeah. I, I've been promoted to just Craig. You've just been promoted to Craig. Yes, okay. congratulations. Right. Unfortunately, there's no pay increase associated with that promotion. I'll, I'll leave that to the higher-ups and negotiate on my yeah. behalf. Ha have your agent call my people. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.